Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for tuning back in the 11th Hour Addiction and Recovery. Now, a lot of really cool things have been happening here at 11th Hour Addiction and Recovery, and I just want to take a minute to share with them before we get into tonight's episode. One, if you didn't pick up on it, obviously there's a slight twist in the name. We went from 11th Hour to 11th Hour Addiction and Recovery. Now, I am not a smart man. I don't claim to be, but I know that if I was searching for a podcast on Addiction and Recovery, I would probably search for, you guessed it, addiction or recovery. So that's the reason for the name change, just to help streamline the search. Also, we did our first episode with some guest speakers. Now, I've known these guys for a long time in my journey in recovery, and I had so much fun with them within the first 10 minutes of sitting down, I'd actually decided to ask them to co-host it with me. So now, I'm not just a solo show. I have two co-hosts, Pat and Joel. And it just sort of reigns true that when it comes to recovery, it's just better off doing it in the community. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Good evening and thank you for tuning back in the 11th hour. My name is Adam and I am an addict and alcoholic. Uh, I am joined tonight with two very special guest speakers and uh, newly appointed co-hosts just as of a couple minutes ago. Uh, So uh, I do think it's important that I do uh, disclaimer this now. I do not represent Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous or any 12-step group for that matter. This is simply just something that we do to get other people uh, into recovery and get going on their journey and offer support during this time. But without any further reduction, Pat, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Pat. I'm an alcoholic. And I'm Joel. I'm an alcoholic addict. All right, fantastic. So with the holidays fast approaching, and if you aren't aware by now, we are, of course, uh, in a pandemic, we did want to do a very uh, different sort of podcast and, and how to stay sober during the holidays, how to find that community of support around you and and realist really how to do this how to go to those gatherings how to deal with your family how to deal with the stress of the holidays uh and get through it while maintaining your sobriety uh right now i know things are a little bit difficult uh we're if you may have face-to-face meetings in your area you may not have face-to-face meetings in your area you may not be comfortable going to -to face-to-face meetings zoom is a great outlet uh but one of the most important things out there is keeping that community out there. And if you have holiday plans, this is definitely going to be a podcast that you should take a listen to. Uh, So first off, number one, like if you're going to any sort of holiday event, whether it's a work party or it's Christmas or it's anywhere where you think, not even if you know, if you suspect that there's going to be, you know, drinking or, or drugs involved, you like definitely have a plan I don't think that there's any point in time in my sobriety that I've gone anywhere where I think that there's going to be drugs or alcohol involved. Well, number one, I don't go anywhere there would be drugs involved now. Um, But if there would be drinking involved is that, number one, my sponsor knows about it. If I'm going to a wedding, he knows I'm going there. And I always check in with on that day to make sure that my spiritual condition is fit, that I am in the right mindset to go there. Um, I established, do I have a purpose in even attending this event? Am I go, what am I really going there for? Uh, you know, 
Christmas, of course, more than likely, unless you're popping into some random stranger's house uninvited, you're more than likely probably going to have a purpose in going there. You're probably going to see some families. And most importantly, we hope that, you know, like it's a small gathering and that everyone's staying out there safe, but make sure that there's a plan that you drove yourself or someone drove you, your sponsor or someone else in the program knows that you're there, that they know that if you call that it's probably a situation that you need to talk to someone uh pat what are your recommendations on getting through this i don't know as as i've gone through this year i guess i've anytime i put myself in a situation where it might get a little hairy or i'm not totally comfortable going i talk obviously like you said to my sponsor before i go but i try to always have the exit plan before i even leave to go there i already have a time set in my head that i'm leaving um and I sometimes it's helped in the in the last year to have plans after the event. Um, you know, say I'm going to leave by five, and I have plans with somebody else to to meet up at six thirty or six to give myself a reason to get out of there um, and something to look forward to doing afterwards. Um, just so it, it doesn't become a cons- consuming thing in my head, I guess. Yeah, I think you brought up a, a great point is, is having a plan to do something afterwards. And that just chimed right in there where it's like that is so vital and so key to me that that morning, like that I a, either talk to someone else in the program or I'm going to a meeting or even afterwards that you have that network already established. So you can talk about and we all know how our families are and I know how my family is. And I know that sometimes we get in disagreements. We don't always see things eye to eye. And I'm going to be totally transparent with this, and I'm sure everyone can relate this. Yeah, I caused my family a lot of pain. There's a lot of wreckage out there in the past that, you know, that may come up. And it may not come up in the great way. You may have someone that you haven't seen, you know, since getting, you know, since getting clean or getting sober that pops back into your life. There, It's going to bring up some raw emotions. So definitely I, I love that idea of having an exit strategy and having someone or another plan afterwards to sort of blow off that steam and sort of vent uh, to another person that's in sobriety or in a, in a 12 step program. Joel, what are, what are your recommendations? Um, You know, one thing I grossly underestimated and I remember it was my first sober holiday I had in years um, was how deeply uncomfortable the situation can be. And, um, you know, when, when you're drinking, you know, alcoholically for whatever amount of time, you know, your family gets sick with you, you know, your loved ones are going to get sick as well. The family dynamics actually going to change over the course of that time, you know, so you'll find yourself in a situation in the holidays where, you know, um, you're kind of out of your comfort zone, um, whether it's you have relatives that come and kind of have this idea that maybe you're the alcoholic of the family, or they might ask you some uncomfortable questions. Um, for me, um, I have to agree with what Pat said and, and what you said is have that exit strategy. If you're uncomfortable, you know, A, of course, don't be afraid to get on the phone, but B, don't be afraid to leave. You have no commitment here. You know, sobriety is the most important thing in my life today. If that means that I have to leave a holiday function, I'm perfectly fine with that. If I'm uncomfortable, I'm prepared to leave. Um, a good example would be, you know, uh, my stepmother, um, she likes to drink quite a bit on holiday. That's fine. You know, uh, she drinks, I, I have a cup of water and, you know, she kind of will get, you know, a little turn into a bit of a wild card. I don't know what she'll say. I don't know what she'll bring up. And, um, 
you know, in a situation like that, you know, I, I have to be prepared to either a just keep my mouth shut, um, you know, uh, participate as a family member, um, obviously be there for them, which is something this program gave to me. I was never able to participate as an actual family member until I got sober and I started working this program. Um, the holidays were always about how bad is Joel doing? Is Joel going to get too drunk this holiday? Is Joel even going to show up? You know, can we even give Joel a gift? What, what's going to happen with the gift that we give him? All, all this stuff was going on. It was all about me. Now I have an opportunity to go to a, um, and participate as an actual family member for the holidays, which is something I never had in my life before. I never had a genuine relationship with my family, period. Um, but again, you know, um, what was a rude awakening for me was how, you know, there were moments where I was just deeply uncomfortable. Um, there were times when maybe things were said or, you know, my ego was hurt a little bit and um, I had to be prepared to talk to somebody about it. Or again, leave, have that exit strategy, you know, um, because they're entitled, you know, it's not just about me today. It's about them as well. They can enjoy their holidays. You know, they can do what they want to do. That's fine. Um, but again, this is the most, sobriety is the most important thing in my life. I have to be prepared to do what it takes to maintain that. You know? Yeah, I, I think, too, it's important, like you said, like the awkwardness, because you have those big things like someone might say something to you or ask you a question that throws you off or like the, the, the good question of like, are you OK? And you've never known how to answer that your entire life. Like, are you OK? Well, why are you asking me now? Because you think I want to get fucked up? Like, oh, sorry, you're swearing. OK. Yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah, <laughs> um, we. we... Disclaimer, we do use a bit of harsh language out there. If, if, if that offends anyone, my apologies. And that's simply that. So if we offend anyone with any sort of language. Don't fucking worry about it. Um, <laughs> you got to get more comfortable with this. <laughs> I swear a lot. Anyway, so yeah, like, but that's awkward. But then it's, it's being in that, that whole new situation as a sober person. Like, this will be my first sober Christmas, and I think, since I was... 16 or 17 years old so 17 years at least and i don't know what it's going to be like i i have no idea what christmas sober is like since i was in high school well i'm a lot different than when i was in high school um i think that's that's something that doesn't get talked about enough sometimes in in like the recovery community is those normal ass situations that you just don't know how to be a sober person in like going to anything, even now you add the extra awkwardness of extended family you haven't seen. Like I went to a, a barbecue in the summer and it was the first time I'd seen my cousin since last Christmas when I was grossly hung over and going through withdrawal. And now I'm at this mid August barbecue um, celebrating someone's first communion. And it's the first time I've seen like 12 of the people are there as a sober person and they all know I'm sober now. So it's even just, how do you even converse with them normally? without them even asking you a question that makes you feel awkward. Cause personally I already felt awkward. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's, there's always going to be that certain level of awkwardness in the room, not only for us in recovery, but for everyone that's there around them. And this, uh, you know, I'm going to be totally honest with this. This is actually the first Christmas that I went out and actually bought gifts. And the, the first Christmas sober that I had, I actually spent in a rehab center. You know, I, I ran the gauntlet of holidays there. I, I had Christmas Eve and Christmas, Thanksgiving, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. And uh, I held on to the moment and that point. So if you're listening in the treatment center today, hold on to, the, to that fact and that moment of this is one holiday and it's going to get better. 
And, and I firmly believe that. And I will let you know that, that yes, this Christmas has been better, but there still is an awkwardness out there when we go into a family function because, you know, a year ago they were giving me an intervention and now this year we're opening up gifts. Like something's there. Uh, but it's like every other a point that makes me feel uncomfortable in my sobriety is, A, do I face this, this uncomfortable feeling uh, and when I'm recognizing that shame and that guilt from the past time before, or I do I confront it and face that fear head on and recognize that, you know, what I normally do, everything that I want to do is not going to work. What I want to do when things get uncomfortable is I want to isolate. I want to be by myself and I want something to make me feel better. And that's where the drugs and the alcohol come in. It was never about the drugs and the alcohol. It's how I'm feeling, how I'm dealing with life. And I'm feeling uncomfortable. I'm feeling different. So let me cover this up with something. So naturally, I want to go in and I want to isolate and I want to isolate and I can recognize that now. And I recognize it in my life today that when the holidays come up, I want to isolate. I want to isolate on Thanksgiving. I wanted to isolate, you know, coming to Christmas. I didn't want to get Christmas gifts because there's, of course, all sorts of irrational thinking there. Is the gift too much? Is it too little? What are they going to think? Are they going to laugh at me because I haven't gotten them any gifts? Well, you know what? I'm, I'm predicting outcomes in my mind that haven't happened yet. Just face it, buy the gifts because that's what, you know, I feel is right. So in those moments of time, I have to identify, you know, what the next right thing is in this situation. And if I can't identify what the next right thing is, I have to simply identify what would the wrong thing to do be? Well, I know what the wrong thing to do in this situation is. It's haul up in my apartment, be alone, don't talk to anyone, isolate. Do drugs, do drugs and drink because I don't feel good. Well, that's the wrong thing. So the right thing clearly is be a functional member of this family again. Face that uh, fear and work on getting through that, that shame and that guilt. And if I have to, you know, get another person involved in it, then I do. I have to talk to my sponsor about it. It's, you know, hey, I'm feeling some shame and some guilt about some things that I did in the past. You know, a lot of that stuff came through and was, you know, through my fourth step. But as we all know, if you've done a fourth step and you've gone on and gotten some clean time afterwards, <clears throat> things come back up and there's no harm in doing another fourth step, you know. So it's really easy to sit back and look at what other people are doing this holiday season. You know, we all see the glitz and the glam in the commercials. And I remember my first Christmas sober sitting in a treatment center and those holiday drinking commercials come on and everybody looks so happy and they're all drinking and they're, you know, and it's a great time. And, and, you know, there's bonding moments of families. It's like, I have to remember because my brain will trick me. It will take me back to those four times or five times that I had a great time drinking that I really controlled it and nothing bad happened. I have to remember what that actually was like. That was not Christmas for me. Christmas was spent, you know, going to see the dope man. Christmas was spent, Drinking by myself in my underwear, you know, trick of Christmas was spent waking up in a dope house. <clears throat> I have to remember what that actually is and not get bought into that glitz and that glam. And uh, Pat, what are some of the things you do when you're starting to feel that isolation or, you know, that that glitz and glam of the Christmas and, and you start sort of fantasizing about what this was like or what it could be like? I think so far this year, what I what I've really found myself doing is I remember the last time I attempted to get sober, like those, those commercials and stuff really bothering me um, and making me feel like such an outsider. Um, 
But I mean, that's not the the factual thing about like the commercials and stuff. And I just kind of laugh at them now because the uh, the alcohol commercials are ridiculously um, over the top of. I don't know if you've ever gone and yeah, go go and run like a five k with your friends, then you want to go drink like right after. <laughs> like that doesn't make sense to me. Um, if I drank, I wanted to sit in my underwear on the couch, like you mentioned. Um, for Christmas, personally, like I. I got sober, started trying to get sober this year, like right after the new year. So my, my kind of last hurrah there was right at Christmas. And I remember promising that I would be at the family thing in the morning to watch my nieces and nephews open their gifts and oversleeping that. And to be honest, was it oversleep or was it just still passed out? And then ignoring the alarm because it's, I didn't really want to be there. You know, I wanted to stay home and drink and getting there and being so sick and hung over and trying to come up with any excuse in my mind to get out of there, to go home, to drink a little bit and then come back so I could participate. And then being just so miserable and sick that I basically just like took a nap in a recliner and then woke up and was like, all right, I'm out of here. And then I just went and got drunk and I, <laughs> it, it just drank until February when I went to treatment and um, I just try to keep that fresh in my mind because it is it's funny how quickly the brain wants to trick you into those few like you said four or five times that I drank like a normal person or I, I controlled it so, until I could get home and drink how I really wanted to drink by myself and not embarrass myself or remember like the social aspect of it those those times were few and far between and it was a long time since the last time anything resembling that occurred in my drinking career. I mean, I can't tell you how many bad times were just in between that, that last like fun drunk to getting sober in February. I mean, it was two years probably, you know, like between going out with somebody and, having a, having a fun drink as opposed to just sitting at home and drinking because I couldn't deal with my life. Yeah. I've seen, uh, many, uh, you know, holiday sunrises alone and broken and empty and, you know, thinking that, uh, you know, drugs and alcohol would somehow, you know, cover that, that pain and that shame and that guilt up. But, you know, at a certain point, you know, we, we have to realize that it is it is romanticizing, you know, to, to fall victim of that glitz and glam and those commercials and that vision of somebody that I would control it somehow differently was, was just that. It was me trying to control it somehow differently, and it wasn't going to work. It's, uh, you know, the end result was all the same, uh, and that really is, is just you know, what I was faced with and, and why I had to choose recovery is because I could not uh, manage my own life anymore. My life had become completely uh, and utterly despairable to be in. And I still have to remember that my brain does like to go back and, uh, and, and play that, uh, you know, that game with me, but it's, you know, it's important. So Joel, what are some of the things that you're doing right now uh, to sort of avoid that isolation that we that we can experience in the holidays you know that that's a really good point too and you got to think too this is a unique time uh 2020 you got COVID 19 you got iso you know you you got meetings shutting down you got people 
and quarantined, you know, the chances are you might be working from home. You're really not in contact with many people at all. And if you're lucky, maybe there is a club that's open that you can go to and you can maybe meet up with some people. But um, this year has been devastating for alcoholics. Devastating. I mean, it's 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 a cookie cutter scenario for us because that's ultimately you point you nailed it right in the head. What we want to do is we want to isolate. You know, and, and you brought up a good point with the commercials too. You know, and how you know, alcohol is such a big part of our culture and in the holidays too. How it's romanticized. You know, I was joking in my head. I'm like, what if there was like an honest commercial? like an honest Bud Light commercial for an alcoholic. It's you alone in your bedroom. You pull a freaking bottle out from under your pillow. You call off Christmas Day. Um, it's, you know, it's, I, I remind myself of that um, because again, you know, like uh, in the, during, especially during the holidays, you know, your mind will take you somewhere else. Um, some of the things I'm doing to stay in contact with people is absolutely, um, I have a regimen of phone calls that I make people that I'm in contact with and I'm accountable to um, that I check up with. Um, in addition to that, I'm fortunate enough to where I do have in-person meetings as well, where we can distance out a little bit, we can stay separated. But, um, you know, one thing that has benefited a lot of people, and, and I've, I've found some benefit in it too, is obviously the Zoom meetings too. Um, you know, these are, these are ways you got to be staying connected with people. And, you know, the, the thing about isolation is this, it's so counterintuitive. You know, like everything you're supposed to do is what you don't want to do in that situation. Everything your body's telling you to do, you actually have to do the opposite sometimes. And it's so funny because, you know, I was even in a situation this past week, you know, and even carrying into, you know, even today a bit, I felt it, you know, um, I'm quarantined from work right now. I get an exposure from someone at work and um, I had to basically get put in, I got tested and I was, I was negative, but which was good. But at the same time, you know, I, I couldn't go into work um, and I was by myself and I woke up and I didn't have anything to push me to get my day going, you know, because, you know, I really didn't have a lot planned for that day. And, you know, again, I just just in that situation, I found myself, you know, like kind of just feeling disconnected, a little a little depressed. You know, I, um, you know, I immediately knew what I had to do. I had to get up out of bed. I had to get on the phone with somebody. I had to start doing something small. And that's one tool I've learned that served me a lot is, is getting the momentum going. What I mean by that is if you're, if you're, if you're isolating and you're stuck and you want to be by yourself, just do one little thing to get you out of your funk, one little phone call, whether it's get up and walk, even if it's to clean something out, that's bugging you, just do something. And then suddenly you'll find that it's easier to do the next thing. The funniest thing about it is the longer you take to do something, the harder it is to do it. The longer, the longer I wait to reach out to somebody when I'm feeling like crap and I'm feeling self-pity and all these um, raw emotions, it, the harder it gets. So um, to me, I have a, that's what I talked about when I have regimented phone calls. I make phone calls that are unconditional that I'm going to make whether I feel like crap or not, you know? Um, so yeah, that's one thing that's, that's helped me out a lot, especially during this time where we're isolating and doing all these yeah, I think it's phenomenal. And, and I as well have that, uh, you know, in my life today, those phone calls that I make to people that if I didn't make them, that they would definitely question what I'm doing. You know, one, of course, is my sponsor. There's other people, obviously, uh, in, in recovery as well, that if I wouldn't check in with them, that they would question and why. The other one that I'm very fortunate to have now in my life is once a week, I talk to my mom on the phone which wasn't always a luxury that I've had in my life. You know, my, as you know, as you listen to my story at this point, if you listen to the other episodes is that, you know, my mom completely cut me out of her life for good reason. I needed that push. 
Um, but if I miss that weekly phone call, you know, I'm not going to worry her like that. Uh, you know, so it's checking in with them. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that I I prefer Zoom over in-person meetings because that's not the truth. I do. I do prefer in-person meetings, <clears throat> but I do find myself doing a lot of Zoom meetings as well nowadays um, because I know not everyone can make it to a meeting. And I know that, you know, someone out there is is quarantining right now because they had an exposure or they're, they're starting to show symptoms or <clears throat> excuse me that they're immune compromised and what i do love um even more than an in-person meeting is seeing someone else recover as well and that is exactly why this podcast is out here right now it's to reach people in a time it's to get that message out there and it's to build that that it, you know it's to share that experience strength and hope in a different way uh, because right now it's completely different and sort of out there. So I do do a couple, you know, different things like that. And, you know, one of the things that I find myself constantly doing, and, and it's a really cheesy acronym, when I'm starting to feel that that really low feeling, like, oh, you know, it's just one more thing. I'm just going to work from home today and I'm going to be doing this. It's, I say that I'm glad and I have to list off one thing I'm grateful for, one thing I've learned recently, one thing I've achieved, and one thing that I'm delighted about. And sometimes those achievements aren't big, and I'm okay with that. That achievement might just be the fact that, you know what, I turned off Netflix after two shows. To me, sometimes that's a win. And I picked up a book and I exercised my mind that day. Or maybe just the simple fact of, you know, early on when I did this, that it was I got up and I showered. Or I got out of bed. and Or, you know, I made it to a meeting today. Um, It's those little things that I had to build on. Um, Starting off, it was... You know, in sobriety, things were bleak. I made a real mess out of my life. But I saw the good in the day. You know, I, I saw the, those little victories that I was doing. And, and I still see them every day. And I knew that it was going to get better. And the next day it was going to get better. And the next day it was going to get better. And the next day it was going to get better. Till finally, in my life today, all the problems I have are self-created. If there's a problem in my life today, there's a 99% chance that I created it in, in my mind. Um or externally, for that matter itself, but I am the root of my own problems uh, at its core. And much like what we, you know we've talked about today, if you are experiencing some problems right now, uh, getting ready to go through the holiday season, the chances are that you know what they might be self-created. And I have to tell myself that you know that all the time when I want to isolate or when I feel that life isn't going my way, those are self-created problems. When I'm feeling like I'm on the outside of this thing looking in, it's a really good intuitive reminder that maybe I am. Maybe I am on the outside of this looking in, and maybe I need to take a good look at what program I'm working and really find uh, what that missing piece is, whether it's, you know, whether it's my prayer, my meditation, whether it's being active in the recovery community, which being out there and working with people, or am I on the outside looking in, you know, am I not doing the things that I should do for that day? And um, so we are right about at that time. We are going to close if Pat or Joel, if you have anything that you wanted to add into this episode. I just think the most important part to remember is to continue to be honest with yourself. If you, if you're laying in bed, but you won't admit to yourself that you're laying in bed for the wrong reasons, then you're not going to be able to get that momentum going. You're not going to do those things that hold you accountable and, continue your routine that's gotten you however far you've gotten um whether it be a week or a year or two years 
you really need to be completely honest with yourself about what is going on in your own brain. No, I, I like I like what you said there. And another thing too that I've learned that's that's helped me out a lot too. It's okay to feel like crap. It's okay to struggle, especially during the holidays. You're not going to have perfect days. Like, you know, in sobriety in general, it wasn't always a linear thing. It's not like every single day was better than the last day. I had funks. I had days where I did struggle to get up. I had days where maybe I wasn't so great and I didn't reach out to a lot of people. That's okay. Seriously, give yourself permission to, to struggle a little bit and don't panic when you feel that way. Um, you know, absolutely do what you can to reach out and talk to people. But, but you know, most importantly, you know, Nobody does this perfect. No one works a perfect program. Um, and I know for a fact that there are just times when I was in a serious slump and I and I panicked and it was just a self-perpetuating thing where I, where I started to isolate more when really all I need to do was just give myself permission to have a bad day and do better the next day. That's it. Um, and yeah, that's, that's really all I got. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I loved what you both said, um, you know, because each day all I can really strive to be is a better version of myself and uh you know what you said joel really resonated where it's it is okay um you know to feel bad and if you're going through something and you know whether my last comment you know like i said you know my problems are self-created if i want to isolate if i'm feeling lonely you know those are sometimes my issues and it's how i deal with them <clears throat> from someone that does deal with depression and anxiety um you know those things sometimes you don't have control over and i don't want to sound or come across root our, our crass. Um, but I do want you to know that, you know, the important thing, uh, the most important thing I can do when I am feeling like that is that I reach out and I stay connected to someone and I talk through it before I get to that fork in the road. Uh, that fork in the road being, am I going to drink or do drugs or am I going to do, you know, the right thing? It's important that that fork in the road for me comes you know, days before I actually hit to that point, you know, it's, and it's reaching out and it's talking about these irrational thoughts and feelings that I'm having. And, and just remember, it's a group that I, that I, uh, strongly, uh, believe in and will always, you know, promote and I'm wearing it today. And it is okay not to be okay. And that's a group that raises suicide awareness, uh, for suicide prevention. And it is okay not to be okay. And especially early on in recovery, you, you know, you listen to my story and you knew exactly where I was at. And Pat, I really love what you said about being honest with yourself. And it just brought me back to that point where it's, I have to ask myself today, am I honest? Am I open-minded? And am I willing? Am I honest with myself about my recovery? You know, am I keeping an open mind to what, you know, my program has to offer? And am I willing to take the suggestions of other? Because at the end of the day, all I had to do was listen to the suggestions given to me get out of my own way and, and work the steps. So in conclusion of tonight's show, we hope that you all have gotten just as much out of this podcast as we actually get uh, putting it together for you all. If you like what you heard and you want to spread this message, feel free to share this with anyone that you like. We're available on Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Spotify. Go on to Facebook. Give us a follow. Give us a like. 11th Hour Addiction and Recovery. If you have an idea, a comment, um, a topic you want to hear, feel free to send us a voice message through the Anchor app or just drop us a message or a comment on our Facebook page. If you're struggling and you need help, feel free to reach out to us directly, either through 11thHourAddictionRecovery at gmail.com or direct message us on our Facebook page. Until next time.